Hello everyone, this is your host Andrew Ferguson and welcome to yet another episode of In the 10th Fast and Furious Film, They Will Go to Space, a podcast about how in the 10th Fast and Furious Film, they will definitely go to space. This episode, I have a special guest that I'm recording with and this week's guest is Molly Lewis. That is my voice, hello. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going Molly? It's pretty good Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. I was having a lot of fun kind of just like bantering as we sort of figured out the audio setup here. Yeah. I'm recording using a different setup rather than at home as we're on the Joko cruise this week. We are. Yeah. So this is an audio recorder I was not familiar with, generously loaned to me, along with a bunch of microphones. I feel very fancy. Not like McElroy fancy, but like fancy. I mean, fancier. Fancier. Not the fanciest. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's not a podcast I'm recording with my phone. Yeah. The 10th Fast and Furious movie will be in space, will be on the Max Fun Network. Oh, absolutely. Is the sequel podcast to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I was really having fun doing that and just kind of like goofing around. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, we were going to record a thing. <laughs> I'm just kind of like that we're talking now. We haven't really seen each other much on the boat. It's true. Yeah. I'm looking at your, your beautiful blue curl on your forehead with the blue ocean behind uh-huh, you. It's a, yeah. one of the more serene uh, podcast settings I've I'd, been in. Yeah, <laughs> actually, we should record all episodes of all podcasts on the ocean. Yeah. The 11th Fast and Furious movie will be at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm already figuring out how they get there. Okay, I need to stay focused. <laughs> this is going to get me. Molly, what might folks know you from? Because I know what I know you from. I would imagine your audience would know me from our collaborations with Loading Ready Run yep. on things like Desert Bus. Yep. I've also been a pinch hitter for Kathleen, sort of a proxy Kathleen on the panelists for the last couple cycles. I wouldn't say that you are a proxy Kathleen so much as you are an incredible host on the panelists. I've assumed the role as host specifically, and Kathleen and I talked about this, specifically to free her up to be a panelist on her own show because oh, it's a really fantastic format. It's a it's a show much like this with sort of structured goofs. And I also am a singer-songwriter. At least that's what I tell people. No, I tell people that I sit next to on airplanes that I'm a musician. That's my profession. Ooh, I know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. This is my 10th Joko cruise, Jesus Christ. Holy shit, you've been on every single one. Same as Sarah. That's amazing. That's what a decade feels like, turns out. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Did they give you a special pin or something? <laughs> they they did. They actually gave me two five-year pins. Dang. And a 10-year pin. So I have 20 years cumulatively on the Joko cruise. Shit. All right. Well, speaking of experience, you have 20 years of experience on the Joko cruise. Mm-hmm. How much experience do you have with my family, the folks from the Fast and the Furious films? The Fast Furious family? Yeah. It's all about family. That's what I've heard. I believe I've seen the second one. Okay. It would have been probably in either an airplane or hotel room kind of situation. Okay, yeah. So, you know, edited for content, formatted to fit this screen. I kind of feel the same way of the Fast and Furious movies, like when people just try to describe wrestling canon to me. You know, how wrestling is anime but made out of meat. Yeah. It seems that the fast movies are anime, but made out of like metal and computer parts. That's shockingly accurate. Yeah. Oh, I did see Hobbs and Shaw, which I understand is in the the expanded canon. Yeah, it's in the expanded canon, but it still still counts. It's in the FFAU. Yeah, the EU. (laughs) But yeah, if I said, oh yeah, it's the one where Vin Diesel drives a car through a building and there's a helicopter involved Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and somebody dies and people are sad about it. That describes most of the movies I'm to understand. There's some betrayal. There's the questions of loyalty and there's sort of a love triangle thing that happens or it doesn't somebody's mom i don't know there was one that immediately (laughs) came to mind the one that i thought about after having watched the most recent trailer is that jesus christ everybody has a secret goddamn brother right like this is just general hospital at 200 miles an hour oh very much yeah i'm given to understand that it is 
in the contracts of the actors that they cannot die or be killed. Oh. Certain, like, this is what I've heard, is the reason that these movies have been able to escalate in the fashion that they yeah. have yeah. is because... They're safe. They are safe. It seems like the grown-up equivalent of kids on the playground, like, well, I'm the cop and you're the cowboy, right. but also my arms are made out of guns and your legs are made out of bulldozer tracks. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it just they are allowed to do that and realize it visually and share it with us. Absolutely. I feel like the movies sort of function, especially at this point, mm -hmm. because there's sort of two major eras of Fast and Furious films. I don't know how much you want me to go into no, this. No, please, contextualize. How okay. long have they been going? Fast and Furious 1 came out when I was in university, so mm. I want to say that was almost 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So are we, is there sort of a silver and golden age kind of Fast and Furious? How are the, the eons divided? Well, the first movie was very much about street racing, and the stakes were very low. If you go back and watch it, the main score was a semi-truck with combination TV VCRs. Mm -hmm. CRT TV VCRs. I think mm -hmm. they were 11 or 13 inch. You don't want to collide into those things. They'll yeah, no, it's a explode. lot of money there. Yeah. And so there, there's that one, and then the stakes escalate a little bit for two, but it's still kind of relative. Like the huge climactic thing is that they kind of drove, drive a car through a top of a boat. That but is, it's just like a small boat. That is Tokyo Drift, correct? No, is that's uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, okay, yes. Tokyo Drift is where the series almost fell into direct to video. None of the same cast, none of the same folks, mm -hmm. and a tiny cameo from Vin Diesel at the end, mm -hmm. which is why the movies actually have an unusual order to them chronologically. Three is out of order. They, <laughs> they literally like re-canonized this whole thing. It was wow. amazing. And then they kind of were like, okay, let's come back with four. Mm -hmm. And like, there's still interest in this. The actors are still around. Like, let's see if we can do something with this. But it was still kind of like a B movie. Yeah. And then that is what I would classify as the first era. And then the second era is what people think of Fast and Furious now, which is like Vin Diesel driving cars through buildings. And, yeah. you know, very clearly the stakes are escalating such to the point that they are definitely going to go to space. Yeah. So five onwards is sort of setting the stage for the inevitable launch. The space race thing. Yeah. yeah. So at the start of the space race in five, there's a big production values bump. And there was sort of a big bump in uh, cast. That was when they introduced The Rock into it mm -hmm. to have sort of like a second leading man. That was where it really hit the stride. It became an ensemble cast movie. Mm -hmm. It was less about just Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and more about all of these folks working together as a family mm -hmm. and doing stuff. I, I actually really recently heard a rumor that I have no idea if this is true or not. But Five very much has the feel of a heist movie. Like it's a heist movie through and through. Mm-hmm. And the rumor that I heard was that the reason for that is that it was originally intended to be a sequel to the remake of The Italian Job starring Marky Mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it, it was refashioned out of a script for that where they were like, oh, like maybe we're, you know, this was successful. Maybe we could bring like people like Marky Mark, people like Charlize Theron, oh. Seth Green is the tech guy. I mean, even, dang, what's his name? Jason Statham was in both of them. He was handsome Rob in uh, sure. The Italian Job. His superpower was that he was handsome. That was Jason it. Statham? Yeah. Oh, he, in a pre-Daniel Craig world. It must have been oh, tough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were not a lot of options with the accents. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Huh. The Fast and Furious franchise, just from what I've sort of picked up from cultural osmosis, yeah. they remind me of the countless young women in mech suits who are also dealing with like sort of psychosexual struggles while oh, they're yeah. also shooting things in space. Yeah, there's definitely sort of an Evangelion aspect to it. Yeah, so the eventual ascension into actual space makes sense to me completely. Yeah. 
So once they did that with five, the big stunt there was uh, dragging a bank vault through the streets of Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Yeah. Originally Italy. Originally Italy. And then it just sort of keeps escalating from there. That's where the folks who are trying to steal TV VCRs just to survive and we street race in our spare time have now turned into effectively the Avengers if you need a problem solved with cars. Yeah. Where the Avengers, if instead of storyboards, it was Hot Wheels just being smashed together by a three-year-old. Yeah. No, that, you, you're a thousand percent on board. You've seen none of the movies. You you get it. <laughs> That's what's so alluring about them is they're very clear about what they are from yeah. five onward, seemingly. I was talking about it with one of my partners earlier, and I explained it in the sense of there's a certain amount of suspension of disbelief. It's not a, a type of movies that I would have ever really gone in for, but it really does have sort of it's cheesy action, but it's all about them being together and caring about each other mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it has this sort of thing of like a kid telling you a story like you said on the playground like oh and like the cowboy has like gun arms and bulldozer legs and all of this stuff and you're like this is ridiculous and then the person goes yeah but wouldn't that be cool though and you're reluctantly forced to admit that yeah that would be kind of cool and they go okay well that's what we made come and watch it mm-hmm. and we do because yeah it would be cool yeah you're right it, it looks cool, cool as shit yeah, and, and like every moment seems to be the Pacific Rim, like, hey, by the way, I also have a sword. Kinda. Yeah, yeah. They just keep pulling those out yes. sort of left and right. Continually, yeah. Yeah. And they do these fun little tech escalations over it as well, which is why I feel like they've been laying the ground to build this towards space. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do on this podcast is still have my guests come and sort of theorize with me and see if we can figure out how we're going to get there. Yeah. Because as, as of time of recording, mm-hmm. the first eight films are out. Yes. Hobbs and Shaw is out. But the ninth film, we have only seen a trailer for, mm-hmm. and I have recently just been informed as of literally 20 minutes ago that it has been delayed. The movie was supposed to come out this spring, and it's been pushed back to 2021, I believe. Oh. So check your local Google listings. I'm on a boat with no internet. And we're recording this in quarter one of 2020. I'm yeah, not... Lord knows when this is going to see the light of day. Right. Maybe the movie will be out by then. they <laughs> <laughs> will scooch it forward again. That'll be my goal. Is I'm like, oh, 10th Fast and Furious film's out next week. I should start releasing my podcast. Well, and you seem to have a pretty firm grasp on, you know, the tone of these movies and sort of yeah. what is technically possible currently and sort of clearly what they're projecting towards yes what tone do you think the fast and furious space movie is going to strike Ooh. clearly not like a gravity kind of yeah. situation no I don't or know. not kubrickian really i feel like they're going to make an attempt to make it seem realistic quote unquote yeah like it like it's not going to go full star trek or anything like that you know how disaster movies always like use the iss in some way to be like yeah here's a thing that you have in the real world so our super volcano robot dinosaurs also seem real right i feel like it'll be a little bit like that like in a previous episode another guest graham stark and i theorized a little bit about the possibility of them visiting the iss Mm-hmm. And also theorized a little bit about the idea of, well, okay, cars in space, what are other cars in space we know? Well, there's, that's what I was wondering. There's just the one, right? There's just the one. Yeah. So we feel like that's going to play into it somehow, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. Yeah. In the series, they keep discovering like, oh, like, well, actually, I have a brother who is very good at guns and sex or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Really, I don't really know. But if that is the case, and hey, you're a beefy dude who is generally not problematic, yeah. come and be in our family, then they would write in some sort of role for some beefcakes, I'm not sure which beefcakes, to sure. play an Elon Musk type figure. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't think he'd play himself? 
I mean, I, I trust Elon Musk as far as I can throw him. Actually, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I would hope for a Sam Rockwell type, but this dude has to look good with his shirt off. That seems to be the main casting criterion. Okay. For these fast movies. I need to take a look at more pictures of Sam Rockwell. I can't immediately picture whether or not he looks good with his shirt off. I mean, he, he was okay in Moon, but he's kind of one of those sort of made out of clay, just whatever the part needs. Yeah, I've seen him be like really skinny and emaciated, and I've seen him be like really solid. He played both in Moon, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Iron Man 2, he had a lot of that like tech billionaire vibe, right? Kind of more Weasley. And the new uh, Hitchhiker's Guide movie as well. He was Zaphod, who's That's very right. Elon Musky, I yeah. feel. Okay. Um, so Sam Rockwell's going to be in the 10th film, we've determined. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> With his shirt off. Oh, yeah. actually, you know what? I don't think his shirt would be completely off. I think it would be sort of like an open shirt like I'm wearing. Yeah. So that they could do a little bit of like effects work in zero G kind of thing. Sort of an open linen. Yeah. But with the mission patches on it still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... <laughs> Oh my god, that would be perfect. It's just like mission patches on the jacket and everything takes it off and then they're just on the shirt as well. Yeah, because like in Hobbs and Shaw, they ended up in, they went to visit the, the Rocks. I don't remember which, one, which one's Hobbs and which one's Shaw. Yeah, it's fine. But they went to visit the Rocks family. I believe they put it in Samoa. I think it was on location in like American Samoa. I'd have to go look it up, but I believe it was on location in American Samoa because that's something that's very culturally important to The Rock as someone who's part of Samoan. Yeah, absolutely. And he had like this whole workshop of like, oh yeah, I can build you cars and guns and weapons and whatever. Like, sure, bro. And it was another wrestler was his brother or cousin or whatever. It was Roman Reigns. Uh, Donkey Dog, yes. (laughs) I'm sorry, Donkey Dog? I don't know. I can't tell any any siblings apart. Yeah, that's valid. I can either know an actor's name or the character they play, but I cannot hold on to both. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's valid. You'll almost universally hear me refer to uh, Paul Walker in these movies. Yeah. One of the main characters in the first six films is Paul Walker. And that feels like a courtesy to me because I can't tell you anybody's names in these. Like Idris Elba's in a fast movie, I guess. He kind of plays an Elon Musk type, I would say, in Hobbs and Shaw. Sort of a, he's a tech sort of mogul magnate person. And I can honestly tell you that I do not remember that character's name. The only thing that comes to mind is just like that flex in his face when he's like, I'm Black Superman. We'll just call him McCavity. <laughs> <laughs> I can hold on to those two. Okay, so we've got McCavity and The Rock. McCavity comes and back. And then The Rock's brother. McCavity and The Rock and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Actually, and- yeah, because McCavity doesn't die in that movie, does he? No, he gets uh, dropped out of a hot air balloon into a tricorder hat on a statue. <laughs> That's right. I forgot the climactic fight scene. <laughs> yeah, the climactic fight scene with a chandelier balloon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's fine but naked. Yeah. Okay, so here's what's up. The heavy side lair also is a real place. It's in space. That's it. This is the crossover. McCavity and Black Superman were the same all yep. along. Yep. Now I'm invested. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> like, we're goofing on this, but I'm like, this doesn't seem that unrealistic. This seems possible. Well, it seems as plausible as anything that happens in the Fast yeah. movies. The thing that's been happening in the main trilogy is they had a big villain in eight who yeah. got away. Mm-hmm. And now she's playing a role in nine, but there's like another person who's the main villain and she's kind of the shadowy background villain now. Yes. So I'm convinced that she is going to be part of the arc of that trilogy of like eight, nine, and 10 is mm-hmm. kind of a bit of a three parter. Mm-hmm. And because of her heavy focus on tech, her whole deal is just that she's a super talented, super powerful hacker. Sure. And I think they establish in canon that she and McCavity also know each other. Okay. So I could absolutely see him post naked chandelier hot air balloon. Yeah. Turning back up in the main series in the 10th movie as like 
him and Charlize <laughs> Theron being like kind of like we're the villains <laughs> and shirtless Sam Rockwell is kind of the he's sort of the Lando like he's on our side and then he's not on our side yeah. and then he's on our side again but of... we shouldn't trust him but we do because he's shirtless and he's family and... yeah he's chaotic neutral like yeah he's... well <laughs> I was gonna propose because you know a black Superman is trying to augment himself with technological modification right and I would propose that Black Superman and McCavity are twins. If we're going on the lost oh, brother angle, okay, yeah. And this other twin brother has experimented with some level of splicing because then that folds cats into the fast universe, yeah. which makes cats make more sense. What do you think then would be the conflict that would drive them into space? You don't see Ooh. the movie as beginning in space. Surely they get no, to space. No, that has to be one of the action set pieces kind of thing. We have to see the journey. You don't want it to just like Fast and Furious 10 opens and then the beginning of the opening beep, crawl. Beep, the rock is floating like, in oh, space. Beep. They're, they're already in space and also the Emperor is back. Don't worry about it. We announced this in Fortnite. It's fine. Yeah, a crawl explaining what happened in the first nine Fast movies. <laughs> There's actually a really good explainer that I think Vox put together that hits the right level of sincere and cheesy for like how all of these things played out and how it escalated yeah and it is generally what i tell people is if you have a ton of time and you want to get super invested in this watch them all yeah if you feel kind of reluctant watch the first four minutes of this video <laughs> and then watch fast five and if you don't like it at that point don't worry about it you're not going to get into it yeah but here's where you should start so you know who these people are and yeah. you give a shit previously on fast and the furious I'm getting a little off topic here, though. I want to bring things back over to how are they going to how get How do they get to space? space? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's got to be the thing, because we haven't done the twin brother angle yet, and I really like what you introduced. There have been actual brothers in real life standing in for other brothers, mm. as was the case, unfortunately, when Paul Walker passed away. Right. To finish some of his scenes for the seventh movie, they used CG doubles, they used previous footage, and they used wow. his two brothers in a couple of places. Wow to uh, help finish that out so they could properly send off the character at the end of the movie. Because he'd filmed about half of his scenes, but not all of them. Wow. And you can kind of see it, and in other cases you kind of can't. On multiple watches, I think I can catch all of it now. Yeah, yeah. But it felt really good. Like, it was the right decision to do that to yeah. send the character off because it really does have a very good emotional payoff there. Yeah, and it honored the material that they had. Yeah, yeah. I think once we find this introduction that Black Superman and McCavity are twins, <laughs> right. now we have to deal with both of them. Yeah. And also we have to deal with the fact that McCavity's still obsessed with his heavy side layer. I think the heavy side layer, much as in the original Cats, is going to function as a bit of a MacGuffin. Yeah. Uh, it drives the story. Mm -hmm. See what I did there? It's, yeah. <laughs> I see what you did. The heavyside layer may just be the cats' euphemism for space, and they are maybe intending to just go to the same place. That's got to be what they're trying to figure out. I feel like initially they'll assume it's an object of power. They're going to treat it as a bit of a technological MacGuffin, kind of like God's Eye in previous movies, as something that they're pursuing. They're pursuing the heavyside layer as if it were a physical thing. Yeah. Because they don't have the context that we do because they haven't seen cats. The cats don't have the context or the Fast family doesn't? The Fast family doesn't have the context. I don't the think I know what the God's Eye is. Oh, I apologize. It is a technological MacGuffin sure. that is used in the 7th and 8th movies. It's a super magical hacker device that allows you to find anybody anywhere on the planet uh. via the use of every microphone and every camera all connected throughout the entire world. I saw a Mighty Boosh episode with something like that once. Yeah. yeah. Did you see The Dark Knight? Yes. You know, the thing that he uses at the end of the movie to find the Joker throughout Gotham, just imagine that was entirely worldwide and constantly changing hands. There's a big ship with a Dole logo on the side. Oh, wow. 
This podcast brought to you by that dole ship. This podcast has been brought to you by the dole warship. That's dole, actually dole, probably dole. a little too real. Dole. <laughs> I was like, what does dole do again? Fruit. Oh, no. Oh, no. I shouldn't have joked about that. <laughs> We're literally just watching ships go by. Yeah. Passing in the day. Which is unusual. Yeah. What and fruit you got there, guys? Bringing things back to the heavy side layer. Mm-hmm. As we all want to do. Yeah. I feel like they're going to treat it as an object. I feel like they're going to think they need to capture it like God's eye. And eventually they'll realize it is a place. Like, it is space. McCavity oh. is always trying to go up. McCavity's not trying to get, like, a secret <sighs> thing out of the safe in the space shuttle or anything. Yes. McCavity's trying to get up. Yes. So, in chronology, this is after the Cats movie, whenever that yes. takes place. And McCavity has gone to his twin brother, Black Superman. Yes. All complaining about how old Deuteronomy robbed him of his chance to go to the heavyside lair. And Black Superman's like, I've got an idea. I'll hit up my friend Elon Musk, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, if it was your twin brother and he's stuck, like, you'd help him out, right? Yeah, it's about family. Especially because you just want him to put on some goddamn clothes. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite fact about Idris Elba in that movie, in the movie Cats, not in the movie Hobbs and Shaw, is uh, the character McCavity wears a coat, and that is not a costume piece. Idris Elba just wore that on set, and they let him wear it in the movie. I remember you saying that in Cats 2, the musical, performed on the boat here the other day, courtesy of Jean Grey. Yeah, that was uh, Travis's fact. And I was like, is that fucking real? Yeah. It reminded me of a not nearly as good fact, which is that Marina Sirtis, who plays Deanna Troy in Star Trek The Next Generation, cameos in Picard. Yes. Wearing her wig, the same wig that she last wore when she played the character in Star Trek Nemesis. Okay. Because she stole the wig from the set. Way to go, Marina. Yeah, she just wore it out and kept it. So when, <laughs> so when they were like, hey, can you reprise the role? She was like, yeah, absolutely. Should I bring the wig? And they were like, you, what? You have one? She was like, oh, yeah, I just like, <laughs> I guess I didn't realize I was still wearing it. <laughs> I never took it off. Sure, I guess. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, when you're iconic, you're iconic, right? Yeah. I mean, who else is going to wear it? They're not going to give it to anybody else. Yeah. Back to Cats and the Furious. So if Elon Musk, Sam Rockwell, has kind of split loyalty between the Fast family and Black Superman McCavity, the McCavity brothers. I feel like he would have a shadow ISS. He would have his own space station that is off the grid. Yeah, that only smart people know about. So Black Superman knows about it. He's able to take McCavity there to try and help him out with his fashion problem. Mm -hmm. And the Fast family is concerned about this because... A, like, they know the kind of havoc that Black Superman can wreak. Yes. They're very concerned about Idris Elba, and they're worried that he is going to attack their friend. They don't realize that Elon Musk, Sam Rockwell's loyalties are split. Yes. Much like the front of his shirt is also split. I think that the villains would use a technologically advanced way to get there, but I think the Fast family would steal one of the space shuttles. Hmm. I think they would heist one of the honest-to-God space shuttles... One of the things that keeps coming up in the Fast Family thing is, like, there are certain characters that love imports and whatever, but Vin Diesel is all about American muscle. Sure. (laughs) What's American muscle in space? Space shuttle. Space shuttle. It's got a flag right on it. Yeah. Like, they would would have to take one of the ones that doesn't have the Canada arm, because, like, that would be less muscly and powerful, I guess. Yeah. I had pictured, certainly, kind of an explosion ballet, sort of Mm. John Woo style, of Mm -hmm. cars all zipping around. On, like, the launch pad at Canaveral, and just one of them like, just latches onto the yeah. side. And what music would play as that is happening? Oh, God. It would probably be, like, a newer DJ Snake track. They don't tend to do genre-type soundtracks. They tend to pick from the zeitgeist. Yeah, they tend to pick from the top 40 EDM zeitgeist. Like, they've already done a couple of DJ Snake tracks. Picture those, like, big-budget EDM bangers where you're, like, 
why is this everywhere and <laughs> I what can't escape is this it? song yeah if it sounds like it would fit in as the credit song for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie produced by Michael Bay, okay, yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll be on the soundtrack. One of those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let's just go directly there. They're going to bring back Knock Knock, You About to Get Shell-Shocked from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. That will be the song that plays there. I like where you're at with your head where you're like on the launch pad, especially because I have a really good physical sense of that because I've been there. The area between the vehicle assembly building and the actual launch pad has this enormous motorized vehicle that is the actual launch pad that it sits on on top of the pad itself. Mm -hmm. It does not go very fast, but it could be modified to go faster. Right. right? It is certainly furious. I feel like it's a dramatic race to the vehicle assembly building to get the shuttle up on that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they leap into this giant, because it, it is like literally like an enormous building. It's only about two stories tall, but it's got to be like as wide as two of these cruise ships. So you see them as intentionally going to space and not yeah. like we're in some car chase and oops, I drove up the side of Mount Everest and... Yeah, no, just like, <laughs> oh no. Oh no, it's too slippery. Yeah, no. I've escaped orbit. No, this is, this is intentional. They're trying to get to space. Like they're behind. Like the heroes are on the back foot. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to catch up. So, like, there's the dramatic chase that takes them there. Somebody's trying to hook up NOS to this vehicle mm-hmm. so that they get to the launch pad as quick as possible and take off with yes. Space NOS. The sequence is the McCavity brothers yeah. are in the capsule. You know how, like, when characters in films are wearing gloves, it usually symbolizes that they're yeah. concealing something? Yeah. And just the button or unbuttonness of Sam Rockwell's Ooh, shirt yeah. throughout the movie. Like, I'm extremely into that. Continuity buffs will be like, oh, they messed up. But if you really, if you look at the wiki, if you get in the forums, yeah. a whole thread about, like, well, in this scene, screen yeah. cap of Sam they Rockwell's didn't. chest. They it, didn't. It's showing his motivation. He's keeping it close to the chest. Uh, now he's got nothing he's, to hide. He's allowing himself to be vulnerable. <laughs> that seems like the sort of thing that that movie yeah. would do. And that those fans would notice. So the McCavity brothers are in this rocket that we assume has been constructed by Sam Rockwell, Elon Musk, uh, Zaphod Beeblebrox. And I would have to imagine there's some reason the McCavity brothers are trying to find the heavyside layer. Right. And there's the whole countdown sequence. The rocket lifts off the pad and somehow the Fast family is able to, through a series of jukes and jumps and probably electromagnets. Right. Like vertically chase the rocket into the air in some fashion. Okay. And then it becomes a car chase, but through the atmosphere. They're not on the space shuttle. They're in their cars. I have to imagine cars in some way become involved. Have there been like speedboat chases? Have there been jet skis and things? There have absolutely been both of those things. You gave me the exact piece I needed to figure out how they got there because I spoke on heist movies. Mm -hmm. And don't you hate it when in your heist movie... Everything goes perfectly according to plan, except for one single element Mm -hmm. that absolutely does not, (laughs) except that actually I secretly planned for it all along, and this is what was supposed to happen. Yep. Uh, I think the entire shuttle sequence, the audience gets super invested in it, and it starts to fall apart, and it looks like there's no way of recovery, Mm -hmm. and that's when the Fast family reveals, like, oh, this was just a total fake out to get the goons off of us. We've already ducked into a side building to get our Sam Rockwell Elon Musk flying cars because that's how we're actually going to catch them, not in some old space shuttle. They bank off the building and then I imagine it's all in slow motion and some EDM tune is playing. Mm -hmm. Cars twisting through the air like birds murmurating, starlings murmurating over the water. Yeah, a flock of V8 starlings. A flock of V8 starlings. And then some NOS gets injected and some buttons get pushed and wings and all these sort of boosters just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. And Vin Diesel... 
turns and looks at the driver's side window at Sam Rockwell, Elon Musk, Bebel Brox, who's on the ground, winks and points a finger gun at him, points a finger gun back, and <laughs> they chase after the McCavity brothers. <laughs> and at that point, it's just sort of a race to see who can get to the hot air balloon first. Yeah, absolutely. It's still up there, right? Is that a secondary location or is that the shadow space station all along? The hot air balloon from Cats, you mean? Yes, yeah, the chandelier balloon. Surely there's a cooler name for that, but I can't think of what it would be. It'll occur to me. (laughs) We'll dub it in a post. Yeah. I wonder if the chandelier balloon would make it into orbit. Like, would they catch up with it? Or would it, as balloons do, deflate and fall back to Earth? I think that'll be part of the drama. Like, they get there at the same time. Like, the Fast family gets there what appears to be too late, but isn't actually. I guess what I'm asking is, is Jennifer Hudson in this movie? She's still there, but she's not really aware of any of the other stuff that's been going on. No, absolutely not. This is going to be probably actually a little bit of a traumatic experience for Jennifer Hudson. Because the only person she's going to recognize is McCavity, and she knows he's bad news. Right. And all of these other people, all of the other cats, like their effects haven't even started yet. Yeah. Jennifer Hudson's halfway through. McCavity's like two thirds of the way through his effects processing. Everybody else hasn't started yet. So she's like, (laughs) something is fucking wrong here. (laughs) They're all wearing wedding rings. Some of them are wearing multiple wedding rings. I don't understand. She was so relieved to bid that place adieu forever. Yeah. And then it comes chasing after her. Yeah. What a terrible day she's Yeah, her past caught up with her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They all think they're ascending to the heavyside layer. The balloon pops. Mm-hmm. And the dramatic climactic fight is the McCavity brothers versus the Fast family on top of the chandelier as it is crashing down to Earth. Mm-hmm. And the Fast family is trying to be able to get Jennifer Hudson because, like, they've got no beef with Jennifer Hudson. Mm. They're trying to get her off the chandelier back to safety. <laughs> they just want they just want to get out and let the McCavity brothers fall to their death. So they're just trying yeah. to get away. But there's so many of them and McCavity is able to just sort of shout things Mm -hmm. and poof around. He's able to keep grabbing people like Nightcrawler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're having to try to find a way to deal with that while Vin Diesel fights Black Superman. Two questions or two concerns, really. First of all, I feel like we are still dealing in the atmosphere, upper atmosphere of the Earth. I don't feel as though we have gotten into space. And as we have established, the 10th Fast and Furious movie will be in space. I feel like they brushed it. Like, it's going to get on one of those technicalities of like, well, we're beyond the mesosphere, so technically. I think that part of the glamour of sending this franchise to space is the zero gravity aspect of it. Okay. I don't know if in the third act they're still fighting the gravity of the Earth. You know what I mean? I think what I was picturing here was almost sort of a... A third act of the Matrix Revolution sort of scene Mm. where if you've seen that movie, everything in that movie is black and green and dark and whatever. And then like frickin 111 minutes into that goddamn movie, they get their dumb ship just like above the clouds and it's bright and blue for the first time. And they're just like weightless and free. Right. That's the moment. That's the moment. It's going to be longer than just that single 10 second scene. But when the balloon pops... I feel like that's like reality slapping back in of like, oh, we can't just enjoy the novelty of the Fast Family We have to team up to save Jennifer Hudson. The Fast Family is in danger and also Jennifer Hudson. I would wish for more of it to like take place in space. I would hope for some like exosuit, like some conversation like taking place in a spacewalk about like, you know, it's a goofy movie, but also where it's okay to have feelings, bro. Yeah, Yeah, I know it's a safe space to be a man or whatever those conversations are. 
Um, like, there's not much of that in those movies, but there is more of that than you would expect. That was one of my takeaways. Was yeah. A lot more like, hey, man, it's okay to be masculine, but also vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Like, not phrasing those exact words, but. Yeah, but, like, there, there is an element of that there. Like, I would love to see them have more of that. But, yeah. the, like, there's so much more there than you would expect yeah. from an action franchise. And, like, there's lots of explosions. But, yeah, there's a lot of men giving each other permission to have feelings and yeah. care about themselves and their families, which is great. And Jennifer Hudson. And Jennifer Hudson's also there. And Peggy. I always kind of wondered where she went in the second <laughs> half of that show. Yeah. She's just gone. She just traipsed away. I'm sure in one of the many books about that show, we could find out what happened to Peggy. Lynn would love to tell us. I'll see if I can get him on the podcast. <laughs> he strikes me as a fast and furious. Oh, I, yeah. I can't imagine any content he hasn't consumed. Have you seen the video of him directing The Rock for Moana? No. It's like joy personified. Sure. It's just like in the voice booth conducting the rock as he sings You're Welcome. And I'm like, I can picture that man just going home and being like, I'm going to watch everything this motherfucker's ever been in. What are these? Yeah, I know. I imagine The Rock just carrying him around in a Bjorn and they're just basically like sort of an analog gem fusion going Mm -hmm, on. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, my second concern was what is the scale? of McCavity and Jennifer Hudson. Right. How big are they relative to the human We haven't really addressed characters? that. No. And neither does Cats the movie, if I'm honest. Well, it's true. I feel like it's a crossover, so it's kind of an open rules situation. It could follow the established canon in Cats, in which case size doesn't matter. They could be any size at any point. Mm-hmm. Or it could follow the established canon of the Fast and Furious, which is they are a consistent size and it is consistently realistic. Yeah. Except when it would look extremely cool to not be realistic in any way. Yeah. And Cats definitely abides by those laws as well. Yeah. And Cats takes place in a self-contained cat-sized version of London. London, Paris. Yeah. Sort of London, Paris, question mark. But there's nothing to say. I guess there's a pair of human legs with feet on them at some point. Yeah, my headcanon for Cats was that this is happening in the background of Moulin Rouge. Yeah. yeah, Those were Ewan McGregor's legs. Not Nicole Kidman's, really? I was trying to be too realistic there. I was like, I'm pretty sure they were wearing pants in the movie. I need to make sure that my joke is accurate. Oh, yeah, and it was a pair of (laughs) high-heeled... No, then it was definitely Ewan McGregor. Yep. Yep, yep. Just came straight off of the Obi-Wan set. (laughs) Put on some heels. Those are his walking shoes. Yeah. You do see Satine at the milk bar at one point. Bit of an Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm of two minds about it. Because at once I love the image of black Superman and his same-sized brother, McCavity. Yes. Oh, yeah. Or also black Superman and little baby McCavity sitting on his shoulder. I feel like we can get both of those. Picks him up by the scruff and carries him away. Yeah. I feel like it could be almost like an Ant-Man situation. He's tiny, except when he needs to be bigger in fight scenes. I guess he does like vanish at will and conjure objects. So there's nothing to say he couldn't change size. I think he would change size every time he vanished. He doesn't know what size he's going to come. Correct. So like some of these things pull (laughs) off real well and others don't. Yeah. Sometimes he's huge, though. It goes both ways. If he gets huge enough, then what the climax needs to be is mm-hmm. what the climax is in all of these fucking things. Because we talked about earlier of uh, the overlap here of those excellent television shows with the children and the giant robots. Is at some point, McCavity is just going to change size and be so enormous that he is just sort of floating there, able to encompass the entire chandelier hot air balloon. And Jennifer Hudson is going to have to use the power of song to change her own size to fight him. You got kind of a Power Rangers situation. She uses the power of song to blast him into deep space. Yes. Ah, the tree's gone. And then how's the other McCavity brother die at the end of this? Because that's the like, you don't think it's going to work, but it totally does. And now our heroes are going to be safe. 
I just watched Other Space, which is on Yahoo Screen. Okay. It's like The Office meets Star Trek Voyager. It's a very good show. Oh, okay. And there's an episode that revolves around, in order to sort of save the crew of this sort of Star Trek type situation from peril, their sort of data figure floats outside the ship and starts just collecting mass so that he can become a planet. He makes the decision like, well, you know, it's to save my friends. And also, I've always been in this metal body, but I could be a planet. I could have life grow on me. Wouldn't that be so amazing? And that seems to be Black Superman's arc as well, as he wants to be greater than human. I don't know if he can bend matter or not. I seem to recall he had some sort of extra manipulative abilities. I think he has some bending abilities, but they haven't really locked down which elements he has control over. I think the thing I wonder is if at the end of uh, the Fast and Furious 10, in which they end up in space, does... Black Superman return to Earth and go to like Earth jail or does he in mm. some way get exiled to space? I think he has to kind of also get exiled. Like he's pretty dangerous. Well, and I wonder if Jennifer Hudson blasts McCavity into space with right. her voice. Yeah. Does Black Superman go after his brother or does he call him a lost cause and then seek revenge on Earth? I think what happens is his brother's gone. Jennifer Hudson blasts McCavity 1 into space. But it costs her her ticket to the real heavy side layer. Yes. And she falls from the chandelier and the hot air balloon still continuing to rise. Singing a top 40 EDM hit as she goes down. Yes. <laughs> and the Fast family, they catch her, not like right away though, after the first chorus. Uh-huh. They let her go for a bit and they just sort of fly alongside and then they get her. Yeah. And then McCavity 2, Idris Elba, he's going to wind up stranded up there, technological black Superman, and he will go to the real heavy side layer with all the cats. <laughs> He takes his brother's place. He takes his brother's place, yeah. Doesn't intend to, but that's how it winds up. Like, you just see it sort of vanish into this portal. Thus creating a time loop where his brother McCavity is created. I'm really excited for the Butterfly Effect 10. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Oh, I love that twist at the end. Black Superman goes to the heavyside lair, is reincarnated as a cat. Yeah. That's the stinger. That's the stinger. Is he wakes up and he's in a fur coat and a fur onesie and Taylor Swift's like, yo, dude, you okay? But she a cat. And that's the point that he realizes that wasn't my twin brother. That was me. It's been a fucking primer situation this entire goddamn time. (laughs) So now he knows what he has to do and he still has to go and do it. He has to go through the whole thing. That's why he seems so pissed in Cats. He figures if he can get to the heavy side layer himself, Mm -hmm. he can break the cycle and save earlier McCavity from having to go there and get reincarnated as a cat. Right. He's trying to just break himself out. Yeah. Well, he also went to church, so he's big on breaking cycles right now. Mm. That's a joke for nobody. Uh, It's literally a joke for like the one other person who is both listening to this podcast and went to Jean Grey's church on the boat last night. Yeah. I was basically just checking to see if he went to church. I did go to church. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think we've got this. Yeah, I think I look forward to when we get data pitching this to Sony. Yeah, it's probably Sony. Some of the details might change a little bit because of focus groups. And you you and I both know how the industry works. Yes. (laughs) Seasoned industry professionals. Yes. But I think we really locked it down in this one. I think so. I look forward to uh, summer of 2025 or whenever when this. No, what is the release, the projected release date for Fast and Furious 10 when they will be in space? It was originally 2022, I believe. But I believe it might have shifted now. I think they were trying to copy the Star Wars model of mm. main film one year, spin off the next year. Main film one year. So, yes. Okay. Uh, so they would have been looking at Fast 9 for 2020 
and then Hobbs and Shaw 2 for 2021 gotcha. and then Fast 10 for 2022. Yeah. So there's still time to right. realize this vision. Production schedules being what they are. I, I think 2025 is actually pretty realistic. Like this is a lot and it's going to be a tentpole among tentpoles. Right. So you want to space it out a bit so it feels incredible. It feels like an event. And you need to give people time to recover from the original Cats movie as well. Yeah, there's definitely that. Mm-hmm. And the spinoffs thereof. I still haven't recovered from the original Cats movie, but I didn't go see it sober, so it's kind of my own fault. Oh, yeah. I saw it sober three times. Damn. Yeah. And on this cruise, there have been three different readings from Tyra Banks' novel Model Land. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. And those have been well-received. But when I said into a microphone that I had seen Cats three times, people booed. What? I got Cats shamed. Dang. And I mean, it was in the same sentence of, I didn't see Parasite, but, so maybe that was it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, okay, I can see a little bit more of it now. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to bring up from the... No, I, but I, I feel like my three viewings of Cats have finally gone towards something productive. And <laughs> I can therefore uh, write that time off. Perfect. It's a business expense. Professional productive time, yes. Thank you very much for being on the podcast, Molly. Where can folks find you online? My website is mollylewis.wtf. And I think it points to all the other things. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for conceiving of this podcast. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. We're going to be rich and famous thanks to this movie we created. <laughs> Space! Space! Space!